Are you ready? Can't the New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Don't And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York, and live from Houston, Texas, as always, my buddy Mike Ligaris. Mike, say hello to everybody. Jet Nation, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you because right now we have about approaching 400 downloads of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. We have almost 500 followers across all of our social media platforms about to give you a tremendous show very exciting jets giants and i think we have some other news don't we Keith? um i think we do mike and in addition to all the wonderful news that you just mentioned we are now broadcasting out to the planet to the galaxy to the universe on the elite sports radio network cue the music big things we said were coming mike little by little we said the eventual media takeover would occur you have to start with one step and move forward and that's what we did mike we're building a foundation i want to thank everyone that listens and support us on the elite sports radio network tremendous articles a lot of insight they kind of cover they're going to cover the jets the mets the knicks the yanks the nets the rangers the islanders all the teams that we have locally new york liberty every everyone everyone's in the mix there guys and the elite sports network mike of course wants to have the elite podcast in their group which makes sense and i'm very happy about that i know there's a lot of other jet podcasts out there in the world and I wish you the best of luck, and I love that we're all Jet fans. But there's only one Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, and that's us. I'm very excited. A lot of social media buzz. I want to thank uh, Mike Vivolo for making it happen, and Robbie, the big Don, running the SNY. And Absolutely. So let's get into it. We got a game to cover. Uh, yeah, Mike, we do have a game to get to. I know it was, you know, it's about a week ago now the game occurred. However, there's a few tidbits for us to get to that you do want to go over. Sam Darno had a bit of a mixed bag in this game. I thought that he had some good throws, but also some of the reads weren't as good, say, as the previous week, I know the previous week, Mike, he was going up against the number twos. This week, he's going up against the team's number ones. I don't think he looked horrible. Uh, he still looked competent. Teddy Bridgewater looked tremendous. That's another thing we're going to get to momentarily. But I thought Darno looked pretty good. Some bad decisions on a few passes, especially the one that he forced in there that ended up getting tipped for the interception. All in all, Mike, what do you take away from the game when it comes to Sam? Do you think there's any reason to veer off course with having him still move forward as the number one? I start for the Giants Friday night. You saw the New York Post, Sam So-So. I would have to agree. My overall consensus of him was a C-plus to B-minus. He started the game, which was great. He went against the ones like you were talking about. He was 8 for 11, 62 yards. He had an int, no TDs, 48.3 quarterback rating. Had Went through three series, one series. He got went, got sacked. It was a three and out. And then the second one, he took another sack. That was his poor. He was a little poor and maybe holding the ball a little too long. Yeah. But the good, he still saw the vision. The yep. quick release, poise, the accuracy, which is really important. He had command of the offense and delivered on what they wanted. And that is what is most important in when you have a young quarterback learning the playbook and understanding how to execute schemes. That, to me, is the most important. There were, again, he held on the ball a little long. He missed some opportunities. He had cursed deep. He missed that. There was that in on the fourth down. 
forced into coverage, but the coaches try to take a blame for the call. There really isn't anybody to blame besides Sam except for Quale. Quale got beat, and if he hadn't have got beat, then Sam would have had a little bit more time to see his third option on that play, which was Robbie Anderson, one-on-one running on a go route. You already know how he flies by coverage. So one of the things Sam took out of that performance was he needs to have a plan for the worst-case scenario, identifying the hot reads. Absolutely, and one thing also that occurred in that game, Mike, that's going to probably happen as the season moves forward is that he was flushed in the pocket a few times, and you did see the kind of, to a degree, the inadequacy of the offensive line that we have right now. I know two starters weren't in the game this week, but even when the, even when Beecham comes back, even when we're at 100%, our offensive line is not that good. And uh, I don't know, moving forward this season, how far we're going to go as a team if the offensive line can't protect Sam regardless of how good he is. You mentioned last week one of the reasons you didn't want him to start had to do with the offensive line, which made a lot of sense. If you can't protect him, you can't really tr- truly see him develop if he's just getting gun-shy right away. And, Mike, I want to throw something at you that I read today. You know, each year, Football Outsiders, they put a book out, previews the upcoming season. They analyze NFL, college football, fantasy football. And this is a quote from them. This is in regards to the Jets' offensive line, Mike. It said, It's a unit of mostly average to bad players that are old enough that any performance swings upward will be completely unexpected. It's not ideal. That's garbage. I don't really know what more I can say than that. I mean, the guys that do this for a living do pretty much kind of agree. They're not necessarily a stout offensive line, one of the lower offensive lines in the league. I think we saw that last week to a degree, and I think we'll see it even tested more this week with the offensive, with the defensive line of the Giants, which is much better than the Redskins. Mike, what do you think? Do you think that's going to be our Achilles heel this year, and do you think that's something that could potentially potentially detrimental to the growth of Sam Darnold moving forward? I couldn't agree more, Keith. I really do think that the Achilles heel of this team is the offensive line. It was good to see that this week we had both Beecham and Winners back in practice full pads. I do not believe they're going to be playing against the Giants. Sam Darnold is going to have to make quick reads and decisions because we do have Quale and Harrison on that offensive line and as currently constituted, it is a liability on this team and potentially could hurt his growth moving forward. Um, that was one of the risks on why I said I didn't want him to start if he had a Swiss cheese offensive line the way we currently have constituted. But uh, it looks promising that we're going to have both our left starting left tackle and starting right guard back for the start of the season on week, in week one. That's the offense. I mean, when it, when it comes to the other side of the ball, defense, we still have some question marks as we discussed last week when it comes to the linebacking spots. Darren Lee, I know you had a few things you wanted to mention about him. It doesn't seem like anything's necessarily locked down when it comes to outside linebacker, Lee's going to get a shot in the middle, but he had another bad game last week, Mike. He did. He got lost in coverage, whipped on a big run, crushed by blocks, had a horse collar penalty. Overall, it was a bad performance. Overall, the defense had a bad performance. And this is a big year for Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles' craft is defense, and we need results. This is year four. That first year was decent, and since we really, I haven't been impressed. So we're going to have to see some more out of this defensive unit. There were a few bright spots. Avery Williams had, Avery Williamson had a pretty good game. He was great in coverage. Neville Hewitt has been outstanding. Backup linebacker job currently. But he led the Jets in tackles in both of their preseason games. And let me give you something about Darren Lee and the way Neville Hewitt is playing currently. Through a small sample size of just two preseason games, PFF has some coverage 
coverage grades for jet inside linebackers thus far. Yeah. Um, this is great from zero to 100 scale. Currently, Hewitt is a 71.7, and Lee is producing at a 50.2. That, you know, Darren Lee really needs to look at himself in the mirror. You're a first round pick. You are now calling the shots on this team. You really need to step up. This is a huge, huge, huge year for Darren Lee. Especially when it comes to Mike. We're coming up on his third year now. The first two years, he didn't really do anything, as we said last week, to distinguish himself as an elite linebacker or anybody that the Jets are going to invest in moving forward long term. And this is really a big year for him, like you said, to prove that he should be a starter, that he is somebody that you can count on. He doesn't seem, Mike, like somebody that necessarily has the best instincts when it comes to the linebacking position. A lot of the best linebackers, if you remember uh, Zach Thomas on the Dolphins back in the day, or you could take a Ray Lewis, uh, there's a lot of guys that necessarily aren't the fastest guys in the world. Like his, his main attribute is that he's fast. I get it. But there's a lot of guys that are not nearly as fast as them that are much better linebackers because they play the position with their head. And I'm not sure if he's necessarily there yet when it comes to his anticipation of where he needs to be on every single play. And look, I'm, I'm not a genius when it comes to defensive schemes. I'm not someone who really is a true expert in understanding where players will play. But I just want to ask Todd Bowles a question. Why not? put him on the outside as an outside linebacker i mean he played outside linebacker at ohio state and the reason why he had success is his speed off the edge and if it's not working on the inside then why don't you just move him to his natural position and see what he can do there it's, it's not like we have the outside linebacker uh, position locked up donahue uh, malden's going to get cut the, um right now josh martin is there it really is an open spot i i for the life of me, Keith, I don't understand why they don't even just try him out at the position that where, where he was drafted at. Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot more sense. It doesn't seem like he's... Not that you have to be a giant guy to be a middle linebacker, but he's, he's a little bit undersized for the position, Mike. And that might be a logical move for them. We'll see what happens with that moving forward. And when it comes to the rest of the defense, Mike, this week, how do the, the cornerbacks look, the defensive backs? Not, they don't... Defensive backs in, in the corners, they don't necessarily get tested the most when it comes to the preseason, Mike. A lot of teams don't really run their full packages or anything too tricky, but it seems like our number one and two corners set up. When it comes to the, when it comes to the slot position, some of the rookies had a, were playing well earlier in the camp. Are they still playing well now, Mike? Daryl Roberts, he didn't have the greatest performance in that game. He got beat deep a couple of times. Robinson was tested a whole lot, held up well. Not the best run support, but but a solid performance. Getting into the backfield, mixed bag. He was he's still on the roster bubble. I will say also that um, switching from D-backs to defensive line, rookie defensive lineman Nathan Shepard flashed <laughs> when on the field Thursday night. He earned a 90.7 defensive grade according to PFF. He notched two run stops and a QB hit across 22 total snaps. And then as far as other people who really impressed switching over to the offense, Trey McBride has been playing fantastic. He really has been playing fantastic. He was not a name that anybody really thought that we would have. I mean, we picked him off of waivers back in December, I believe we did. And um, right now, he's outperforming both Hanson and Stewart. They both have a combined one catch for zero yards. That is not going to get it done. And I mean, this, this, this game we're going into up against the Giants, which we'll get to in a second, Mike. A lot of places we're going to be looking to see what happens since it's the most... Since it's the most realistic atmosphere the guys are going to be in, that's one of the positions, too, that we'll be looking at. 
So, Mike, one of the big headlines coming out of last week's game was the performance of one Teddy Bridgewater. As we know, again, he was very accurate. He doesn't even have that many incompletions in the entire preseason. A couple drops from guys, too, so he's playing really well. The leg looks fine. He looks confident. There's plenty of teams in this league that either could use a really good backup that have a so-so starter, or maybe even could use a guy like Teddy who's better than the starter they have. What do you think of the team's best suited for a trade with the Jets. Well, I'll tell you right now, Teddy Bridgewater through preseason week two, he has 23 attempts, one throwaway, 17 completions. He had three drops. If you adjust the completion percentage for those drops, it's a, his completion percentage at almost 90.9, uh, 86.5 uh, pro football focus uh, passing grade. Um, there are teams that have potential trade destinations. We've got Denver, we've got Houston, we've got Tampa Bay, we've got New Orleans and Philadelphia. But the biggest one that I wanted to discuss tonight is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know that everyone has heard that right now the Jets are in communication with the Jacksonville Jaguars currently trying to work on a trade for Dante Fowler and Teddy Bridgewater. So we will see that looks to me like the best fit, the best, uh, because yeah, Denver was offering Shane Ray. I don't know if we really want to go there. Uh, other teams are talking about fourth, fifth round picks. Uh, Mike McCagnan already said that, you know, he's good with going with three quarterbacks if need be. He's not going to sell Teddy for just nothing, you know what and I mean? He so and he shouldn't, because as the season moves forward, and maybe even in the next few weeks, if someone does get an injury, Mike, as you know what happened with Sam Bradford, I mean, theoretically, that could happen to anybody at any time. We know how the NFL is. All of a sudden, his value even goes up. You know, it goes yes. even higher. And when it comes to the Jaguars, that does seem to me like the most logical landing spot or the most logical team, because they were on the precipice last year of the Super Bowl. They had a pretty good team, tremendous defense, Obviously, a good running back, and the thing that held them back was their quarterback. To me, I'm not saying that uh, that Teddy Bridgewater necessarily means they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I do think that a player like him on a team like that definitely gives him a much better chance of going far and maybe making something happen this year. Absolutely, and in my opinion, I think that Blake Bortles is at the bottom of the barrel as far as established quarterbacks in the current in the league currently. Let me ask you, do you, is there another quarterback that you think that's an established quarterback that's actually worse than Blake Bortles is currently? Well, I, the only established quarterback I can think of that's worse, and he might not be a quarterback on the team for that much longer, would be Joe Flacco, because he's been descending for the last three years. He was horrifically, oh. ba he was horrifically bad last year. He Terrible. Only, he averaged less, it was averaged less than six yards per completion, which is not good. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but he's not a good quarterback. But there's not many. Look at it like this, Mike. Is there any of those that's the hypothetical you just threw at me on a team that's actually pretty good in spite of the quarterback? No. There's no, no. teams in the league that are pretty good besides uh, besides yeah. that situation with the Jaguars. So that's why that makes sense. I don't know a lot of teams that are still pretty good with a bad quarterback. And they were last year. You don't really see that happen very often. I mean, we all know he stinks. So uh, I've, all we've seen him, I've really, I haven't really seen him get better when it comes to decision making and the things he does on the field. So, Teddy Bridgewater, the Jaguars, maybe we get Fowler. He's been a bit of a disappointment for certain reasons down there, Mike. I know uh, this, in 2016, 2017, those two years combined, 12 sacks. Eight of them last year. Definitely a force, gets to the quarterback. Had an off-the-field issue where he got into a fight, and then we smacked some dude around and threw his groceries into the lake. 
Yeah. Very rare, very rare details. Uh, and, and, and the thing is, is that he may be a good, an example of somebody who really needs a change of scenery. I mean, he's playing in his own backyard. He's, he's from Florida. So I don't think that real situation helped him much being around his friends and all that. We just want to make sure that if we're going to bring in Dante Fowler, that he's a good fit scheme. Right. We already know he's a pass rusher. He can get off the edge. He can get after the quarterback. But, you know, we've done, we've worked hard to make sure that our locker room has the correct chemistry and the best young people building for the future. And if this guy is a head case, then maybe Mike Mac, Mikey Mack may want to second guess bringing him into the locker room. Yeah, that's always something you look at, especially when it comes to guys that I don't. I mean, he's not. He hasn't been in the league that long. I think the veteran players can have a tendency to be more of cancer than the younger players. But unless your name's Odell Beckham, you can't really come to New York and act like a moron and people support you. He's just like a lot of things in my country now that I don't understand. People support. People are still behind him where we live, and it's just it's interesting to me. But I'm not saying he's a bad person. I just think he's made a lot of interesting decisions, Odell Beckham, and I think that. Fowler is kind of in the same boat. I don't know him at all. He just maybe this guy was a jerk to him, and that's why he got into a fight with him. I don't know what the situation was, but if you come to New York and you're a jerk, normally you're gonna be shipped out of here pretty quick. Yeah. The situation uh, got heavy on me. We're gonna get to a little segment. It's everybody's favorite segment of the show, anyway, because as we disperse through the show, you know that Michael Lagares drops tidbits and factoids and statistical analysis at you left and right. He has a team of interns that he employs. He has spies and ears, eyes, everywhere in every single camp of all 32 teams. So he can bring you all this information. And Mike, we have a little segment we're going to call Michael Agaris's News and Notes. How creative is that name? Mike, please get after everyone. There's something you wanted to drop out everyone this week. Please go ahead. I find it funny how the narrative around Sam Darnold is that he can't throw downfield. And um, if you look at the his contemporaries currently, uh, the ones who were drafted in the first round, um, yards per attempt, YPA. So Sam Darnold currently is averaging 5.7 yards per attempt. Josh Rosen is at 6.1 yards per attempt. Baker Mayfield is at 5.8 yards per attempt. And Josh Allen, the gunslinger, who can throw a million miles, he's averaging 4.6 yards per attempt. Uh, uh, so I, I find it. I find the narrative. You know, I mean, here's the data. He's right there with everybody else as far as yards per attempt. So um, also, uh, currently, Sam Darnold leads all rookies in completion percentage, seventy-two point four percent. He's twenty-one for twenty-nine, one hundred and fifty-eight yards, one touchdown, one interception. Josh Allen is at fifty-six point three percent completion percentage. Baker Mayfield is at 54.5% completion percentage, and Josh Rosen is at 55.2%. So Sam Darnold, all of them are operating currently below 60%. I know that it's a limited amount of time. I know that they've been playing against two threes and some a little bit of time against the one, so it's not a perfect uh, playing field to, to go ahead and match stats against, but uh, it says a lot that Sam Darnold is far and away the most accurate quarterback through two preseason games. Well, I'll say, too, like, like, it is telling just because, I mean, do you want to have the best completion percentage of everyone or the worst? Of course, you want to be better than everyone. And so if he's above 70 and everyone else is below 60, I know that Jackson's completion percentage in college did increase a little bit. He's not necessarily the most accurate quarterback. Allen was not accurate in college at all. And no. when it comes to... When it comes to translating college accuracy and completion percentage to the NFL, it's not something that necessarily always carries over. 
for a guy who is very accurate, but I know one thing, it's very rare for the guy who is not accurate playing in a school that he played in versus competition that's so-so, and you can say whatever you want about his receivers and this and that and the cannon he has, very rare a guy like that all of a sudden then goes to the NFL and gets more accurate. Do you know what I mean? Mike? It doesn't right. happen very often. So that's why when right. the Bills drafted Allen, I wasn't, you know, I, I'm not, uh, he might be tremendous, what do I know, but I don't think he will be. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't blow me away when he was in college at all. Sam Darnold was pretty accurate in college in big-time situations, especially, you know, when he went up against the blitz mic and pressure situations. He was great, one of the best ones that's come out in years. Even, even if a guy is just taking the second or third option or just getting rid of the ball, it's more, to me, the smart decisions he's made as a rookie that's been the most impressive. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I don't know if you were reading the comments that Jeremy Bates and Mike McCagney and Todd, Todd Bowles were just praising uh, how well Sam has grasped the playbook and understanding all of the schemes. And let me let me just say this, you know, I know that our uh, Tom Brady is not our favorite quarterback in the world. In the beginning of, the, of his career, he the Patriots won Super Bowls with him as quarterback, and the, one of the main reasons why he was so successful as a quarterback was his ability to play in Bill Belichick's system and understand all of the schemes that he needed to know to execute the offense. It wasn't until around 2007, 2006 that Brady really became an elite quarterback where he mastered his craft. Before, it was just mostly that he understood how to run the offense and play within play within the offense and find chemistry with his his, his receivers, tight ends, and running backs. Um, and and Sam Darnold is starting to show in preseason that he, as a young quarterback, a 21 year old quarterback, if he starts week one, he'll be the youngest starter in the history of the NFL. Uh, that he's already understanding basic and complex concepts that Jeremy Bates is trying to institute, and I feel that is tremendously valuable. I, I agree completely, Mike. And there's this, I mean, that's very interesting what you said when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. There's a lot of times that when it comes to the physical things, can a guy bomb the ball down the field? Sure. Uh, is he athletic? All these type of things. There's always there's a lot of variables to whether or not a rookie quarterback is going to be really good or not. The quarterbacks that adjust the quickest mentally obviously like you give a a great example of tom brady that understood belichick's system is a very heady quarterback very intelligent those are the players that tend to not only last a long time in the league but they get better as the career goes on because they learn from all their mistakes they don't make the similar mistakes over and over again and it seems like what we've heard about sam darnold so far is he someone that isn't making the same mistake twice and if you're only 20 or 21 years old and you're a young buck uh, that's a tremendous attribute to hear from players like Josh Norman and the coaches and different players on the team, that he's not somebody that tends to get fooled by the same thing over and over. Uh, what That's kind of what you want in your quarterback. When someone's athletic and they can bomb the ball, that's tremendous and that's great. But I'd rather have the guy that understands the playbook, understands what the defense is doing, and maybe he doesn't have a ball where he's throwing to 80 yards, but he could throw every, every single pass in the entire playbook perfectly and hit every single round. Friday night, we're going to get to see him starting against the ones, and it won't be just Jet fans watching. It'll be the Giant fans watching as well. All right, Mike, let's get right to that. It's a good point. Segue right to the game coming up this Friday. It is the Snoopy Bowl 730 this Friday. Always a fun game to watch. The third preseason game for all the NFL teams. That's normally the main tune-up game, Mike. You know, when everyone plays the most time, the ones play the longest. Sometimes you even see starters play for three quarters or a few drives in that third uh, third quarter there. 
So for Darno, especially like you said, this is going to be the most realistic environment in comparison to an actual NFL game. There's nothing to simulate that until he actually plays one. So to see how he does, see, see how the offensive line looks. I know we still might have, we still might not have a few starters in there, but I just want to see how they protect him, how he reacts. The Giants' defense isn't that bad on paper, at least. The defensive line should be decent, Mike. So I'm interested to see what the kid does. Oh, I was driving home the other day and I'm listening to Mike Francesa. And on the Francesa show, there was this giant fan that called in. And he was talking about, to Mike, he said, Mike, would it, uh, if, if we were able to make the NFC Championship game this year or next year with Eli Manning, would, wouldn't that be a success? Wouldn't it be worth it for us uh, uh, taking Barkley? And Mike Francesa just replied, no, it wouldn't. And I hear it in the voices of my friends and family who are Giant fans. I see the, the fear and the understanding that if Sam Darnold one day brings us to the Canyon of Heroes and elevates the Jets once again as a Super Bowl championship winning team, by the way, for 16 years, the Jets were the only Super Bowl winning championship team until the Giants did in Super Bowl 21. <laughs> the New York Giants will have to look and watch as we put Dave Gettleman in our parade because of the decision that he made to take a running back who will probably be out of the league in eight years over a potential franchise quarterback. And on Friday night, they'll get to see this young man play for the first time in front of their eyes. That's a, that's a great point, Mike, and they're going to always be compared side by side. They went number two, they went number three, Giants, Jets, Giants could have had Darnold, they didn't take him, they have a quarterback who's aging and to a degree statistically has kind of slipped the last few years. That's not normally something that corrects itself when someone's at his age in the NFL, whether or not it does, we'll see this year. Guys can have bounce back seasons, but Eli Manning the last couple of years hasn't been the greatest quarterback. Would have been logical. It would have made the most sense if they took the guy, but they took the best player in the draft. So you can't fault them for that. However, is taking the best player in the draft always the most logical move when that's not the most important position on a team, the position he plays, even though he is the best player in the draft? You have to weigh these things. There's one. Each of those are on one side of the scale, Mike. And it seems to me, like you said, we've talked about this before, it, Barkley could be a tremendous player. And in the next seven or eight years, still put you know sit down and retire, which happens a lot with running backs. The average lifespan for a running back is four or five years, Mike. And then Darno, after seven or eight years, he's a twenty-eight-year-old quarterback. Yeah. So that's going to be something that if he does hit, they're going to definitely look back on it. Who knows in the future drafts, Mike? They might get the guy they want to get. But when it comes to this draft, and if Darno is successful, and say we end up turning a new leaf and become some type of new Jet team that's you know consistently good for years to come, and God forbid. Win the Super Bowl? Oh, oh my God. See, oh. We won't even talk. We're not going to talk about that, guys. We're not going to do that to any of you. Yeah. I'm just yeah. hypothetically saying if it occurred, and Darnold was the quarterback, and the Giants in any way, shape, or form, Barkley just fizzles out, that'll be looked at, like you said, Mike, as a horrific move by the Giants. So in this game, I'm going to be looking at the tight ends. Leggett's back. He's been doing tremendous work at camp this week. Uh, Walford, Herndon. Uh, all are going to be playing, like I mentioned before, the offensive line uh, guys aren't going to be starting. So uh, hopefully Sam will have some time to actually execute the offense. Let's see what uh, Bilal Powell is able to do. Uh, Rawls is probably going to play. He didn't do well last week. He still has a chance because uh, Cannon and, and uh, the other running backs have been banged up. 
I really look forward. I understand we probably aren't going to see Terrell Pryor or Quincy Inunua, but uh, we'll still have Robbie. I'm really looking to see Hanson and Stewart try to make some plays. Obviously, Trey McBride, Neville Hewitt, all these guys who've been are on roster bubbles that are working hard. Uh, uh, Cherry on peak. Also, tremendous catch in the end zone for a touchdown last week. Water of from Teddy Bridgewater. What an incredible play! Yeah, great, great uh, amazing catch. That was the best play of the game. Yeah, uh, Rashard Robinson, uh, Andre Roberts. Uh, we'll see what they're able to do in the secondary. Derek Jones. I haven't heard his name in a whole while, so I'd like to see what he's able to do. Of course, Thanos on the on the defensive line with Henry Anderson and McClendon. So uh, and of course, we want to see the big Leo monster out there as well. So and, and again, and another big thing is I want to I want to see a continuation of what I saw in the pre in uh, preseason game number one, where the penalty flags on the defense were minimal. So um, I hope they were able to keep that trend going. Those are the main bullet points. I think the only other thing I'd add to that is that I'm going to be looking to see Teddy Bridgewater maybe just do continue what he's been doing. Keep his stock rising. Obviously, after last week's performance, a lot. You, all you've heard this week from a lot of the NFL insiders is that teams are calling the Jets. Jets are calling teams. Teams have interest. If he goes out there and has another good game, and anything happens to anybody's quarterbacks, or say there's a situation where people aren't necessarily excited with the guys they have, like Jacksonville, maybe Teddy goes out there, kills it, and then next week we're having a different conversation when we do the podcast, and he's on some other team. And we have a draft pick, or maybe we end up with uh, a tremendous defensive player either way. That environment, like we said, that when you look at the young players and you see them play in that third game, that's always a lot of fun in the first the first half and then the third quarter, Mike, because you actually do get to see the ones go against each other. In this game especially, it usually is pre-spirited. Uh, Chad Pennington, I remember getting injured in this game years ago. Jason Seahorn got injured on a kick return. The Giants fans remember that. Uh, the Jets took him out. And it does seem like it's always a high-intensity game. And I, that's why I'm really interested to see Sam, just to see how he, see what his composure's like if the Giants are getting after him or if our offensive line isn't ne- necessarily up to snuff. Hey, by the way, breaking news. According to Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, the Jets inquired about the availability, availability of Oakland Raiders defensive end Khalil Mack. Meta described Mack, who is holding out as not reported to training camp, as disgruntled and suggests another team may be able to pry him from the Raiders via trade. This this just came across my desk. That came across the, the, the Michael Agaris news board. We tell you, everybody, while we're on the podcast, things break, it happens. What are you going to do? And that would, be, that would be completely insane gets to land somebody like him. And we do have the money to pay him. I don't know if you give up the house for him, but if you'd be looking at draft picks, you think? Well, how would that work out, Mike? Well, uh, for Dante Fowler, they're trying to trade uh, Danny Bridgewater to get Fowler and a pick. Seeing that maybe that pick, along with another first, um, and had Khalil and Fowler both. <laughs> oh, wow. And now we're going to dream. Now we're going to get greedy. And I like it. And I like it because there's no reason not to strive, Mike. No, no reason not to shoot high. And if that did occur, if those if those dominoes fell that way, and we look back upon this, Michael, and we say, oh wow, look at McCagnan, uh, who signed Teddy Bridgewater for one million dollars guaranteed, was able to spin that into a player that could be effective for us, and get a pick, and then spin that in some manner to get Khalil Mack. Then he becomes uh, he's Kevin Costner now. In, in- <laughs> He's Coster. This, this is all far-fetched, you know. I, I'm just reading on Twitter the different scenarios, you know. I, I, I don't know if one of them's going to happen. Both of them 
But I do know that the Jets are doing their due diligence and they're trying to get one of our biggest holes fixed, and that is our pass rusher. You're right, and we'll see how that develops as the week goes on. We're going to see what happens with the Jets and the Giants game, which is Friday at 7.30. Me and you will be watching this game together. Atlantic City. We'll be back on the East Coast in Atlantic City for our fantasy football draft with uh, 14 of our other friends. To say that league is intense would be an understatement, Mike. We won't get into the details of the psychotic levels that league gets to. We will just say that league is not even for money. It's just to beat your friends. And beating your, there's nothing better in life than beating your friends at anything, as we all know. If you guys want to reach us, follow us on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast. On Instagram at Jet.AEBG. And on Facebook at AEBG.radio. Jets Radio. And don't forget, also find us on EliteSportsNewYork.com, the Elite Sports Radio Network. Get on there, guys. Check them out. If you want to find out the latest stories, latest breaking news, anything of that nature, that's where you need to go if you're a New York sports fan. And on behalf of my colleague, Michael Lagaris, my name is Keith Farrell, signing off for this week. Get at you next time. Are you ready? The New York Jets will beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. I want a number leaver.